Our SEC Big 12 Super Tuesday doubleheader starts with Texas A&M taking on Arkansas at 7 Eastern, followed by number 19 BYU hosting 12th ranked Baylor. Both games are on ESPN and the app. Then Saturday, first ever professional fight league Super Fights card. The PFL champions square off against the Bellator champions on Saturday. The prelims begin at noon Eastern on ESPN News and ESPN Plus in English and Spanish with the main card at 3 Eastern on pay-per-view. To order, go to ESPN.com slash ESPN Plus. Welcome back to Get Up. We are coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. And as we head into our second hour on this Tuesday, we're going to play a game of free agent fits looking ahead to a busy NFL offseason. Harry Douglas, uh, other than the Jets, which you've already discussed, what is the best fit <laughs> for Russell Wilson if and when he becomes a free agent? Yeah, I'm going to go to Pittsburgh Steelers. You look at offensive coordinator Arthur Smith and what he likes to do, uh, run the football, run a lot of play action off of it. A guy that has been under center a lot in his career, Russell Wilson. Uh, he's a guy that can turn his back to the defense, run the play action game. But when the play breaks down, be able to improvise. And I still believe he's one of the best deep ball throwers that this game has right now in the National Football League. Jeff, uh, look, we expect, obviously, the Broncos to release Russell Wilson before his 2025 salary becomes guaranteed. He's going to make $39 million from the Broncos this year, regardless of where he lands. But what kind of market do you imagine there's going to be uh, for Russell Wilson? I, I mean, I think there's going to be a market, but not at that starting caliber level. I know there's a ton of teams that want starters. I just don't think you're going to enter 2024 uh, with him as your starter. It would remind me of maybe like the Bucks last year with Baker Mayfield, where it was like, all right, we got to find a quarterback. We're, have, we're in cap hell right now. Who's it going to be? We'll take a shot on Russell and revitalize him. But to me, I, I don't know when that market materializes. Yeah, it worked out nice for Tampa and Baker, right? Yeah, you know what's fascinating about Russell Wilson? Because of the guaranteed money with Denver, he's literally playing for the league minimum. Yeah. And now every team's going to say, what about Russell at the minimum compared to our guy? So that brings in so many other teams like the Giants, for example, or New sure. Orleans, where you could bring in Russell Wilson for so little, Dan, for somebody that's at one point accomplished a lot. I think he's going to be fascinating to see. Is he out there after the draft? How, how do teams actually view him? Well, and the other element of that, right, is what does Russell want to do? Does he want to go into a situation like that, or does he want to sit home and make his $39 million? Yeah, I think if he does that, his career is over. I think yeah. he has to play this year to give him a chance to start in 2025, and we're going to see how much he loves football. All right, hey, Jeff, you mentioned the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield. They've got a couple uh, of free agents, including Baker Mayfield and star wide receiver Mike Evans. What are the best fits for those guys in free agency? So this is a massively loaded question. For Baker Mayfield, it is obvious. The Tampa Bay Bucks are the perfect place for him. It is such a nice marriage on so many fronts. And I talked to Baker about this. He wants to be there. It's a matter of, but he also wants to get market value. What is that market value? That is what general manager Jason White has to navigate. But this was a great marriage for one year, and I believe that it should be a long year. Let's get to Mike Evans, though. though. This is the most interesting one to me of all, perhaps of the offseason in general. If the Bucks can't lock him up and he does commit to going elsewhere, the Kansas City Chiefs should absolutely be per pursuing Mike Evans. To me, we should not forget. I understand the dynasty that is the Chiefs. I talked about how they can morph into many different things. 
but we should not forget the middle of the season. We should not forget the league-leading number of drops that the Chiefs faced. I don't know that it is sustainable to do what they did in this postseason. They've got to go get weapons, and Mike Evans should be absolutely at the top of their list. He would be a game-changer for Patrick Mahomes. Jeff, what would not be sustainable in that scenario is their salary cap. they got to take care of Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed. Oh, by the way, their left tackle, Donovan Smith, before we get to Mike Evans. Yeah, but but think about it. I would rather fit. Mike Evans than Chris yeah. Jones. I would rather really? Mike Evans Whoa. in this offense than Chris Jones on this defense. I think that they, they can be – look, this, this is a team that redefined themselves from one year to the next, right? We saw them flip-flop. They were an offensive team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. They were a defensive team that won it this year. I, I also recognize that they did it without Tyreek Hill. They've got to put weapons around Mahomes. They can't fall into this trap where they believe that they can just win Super Bowls year after year without weapons. They need to do it. They got through this year. Brett Veach is smart enough, though, to recognize the free agents weren't available last year. That he, he, Harry and here. he redefined the team. Yeah. But I still think that this team should pursue offensive weapons. What do you think, Harry? Uh, Jeff says he'd rather have Mike Evans than Chris Jones if Ooh. he's the Chiefs. Do you agree? Now trending on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, Jeff Darlington with the hottest take of get up this morning. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather both, and, and I think they can do something. both. But I still think yeah. Mike Evans. I still think that that changes everything for this offense. But what do you, I mean, Harry, like, like he is obviously that kind of player uh, in terms of an impact wide no, receiver. I mean, do, do, you, do you like the fit if the Chiefs go and pursue him, if they can make it work? Uh, I, I do like the fit, but I don't like the fit more so than I like Chris Jones on that defense yeah. and being the dynamic player and having that defensive line versatility in a guy in Chris Jones and also a game wrecker. So, no, I don't I don't like Mike Evans to the Chiefs more so than I do them re-signing Chris Jones. You know, Andy Reid already answered this question for us two years ago. He said, look, we love Tyreek Hill. We can't pay him. And then they trade him to Miami. So, to me, if you were going to invest in the receiver position, but I'd rather have Tyreek Hill over Mike Evans as good as Mike Evans is. So, they philosophically said, hey, we have Patrick Mahomes. We'll fill in with Sky Moore and a whole other host of young players. And we're going to keep Chris Jones and build that defense. So, I think they've already answered that question. I mean, how did that work out? They, they won the Back Super Bowl. Super Bowls. You cannot forget what they went through. They, I mean, you can't discount the issues that they face middle of the season. You can't right, put that burden so on Patrick let, let me, let me say every this. single year. We got Harry. Let, let me say this. So, so Jeff, I do agree they have to address that issue. I just don't think Mike Evans, with the money he's going to be demanding, is the answer for them addressing that that issue. No, Jeff's on an island. And by the way, I don't yeah. know. That's a fine point, Harry. I, I yeah. don't know what the money is going to be. I don't think any of us do at this point. But I do know that Mike Evans wants to get paid, but he also wants to be on a winner. He's he's tired of that. Like he would stay with the Bucks if he gets paid. But he made very clear last offseason that if he doesn't get paid, that he's going to be looking outside. And there's no way that Mike Evans is not at least looking at Patrick Mahomes, wondering what that would do for him. What's the final word on this? Yeah, just to take it behind the scenes, like one of the tiebreakers teams have when you have these discussions is you look at the draft and the depth of the wide receiver position this year is exponentially better than defensive tackle. Chris Jones is a lot harder to find. As great as Mike Evans is, Chris Jones literally saved that Super Bowl. There were multiple times Brock Purdy may have had a key third down or a touchdown in overtime, but for Chris Jones' pressure.
All right, Jeff, you get the final just, word. Just You're to be island. clear, so I you, you could do... Yeah, I you, you yeah. could... Well, I, I'm not trying to pick between the two. I think that they could get both. I'm just... My point in this is that that you... The Chiefs have done a good job of morphing their identity year after year. Mm-hmm. Last year, we would have said the same thing. Like, they need to find wide receivers. They found a way to win. I'm just saying that... They cannot go through another season without addressing that wide receiver position. That, to me, is the number one priority for this team, regardless of how things ended up. Not re-signing Chris Jones. I think that they should sign him. Number two priority, sign Chris Jones. Number one priority, add more offensive weapons. All right. These are good points, but I do have to question you. You said, I'm not trying to pick between the two. You are the one that said, unprompted, I'd rather have Mike Evans than Chris Jones. So it sounds like you are trying to pick between the two. I would rather have Mike Evans than Chris Jones. I want to talk about Kirk Cousins. What's the best fit for him in free agency, Mike? Uh, It's the Atlanta Falcons. If he gets out of Minnesota, again, he can't be franchised. So if they don't get a deal done, we've talked all morning about all these great weapons that Atlanta has and haven't had good quarterback play. I know he's a little bit older at 36. I know he's coming off of the injury. But, boy, what a massive upgrade Kirk Cousins would be for the Atlanta Falcons with B. John Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I I think it would be a really fun offense to watch. I'd be surprised if he didn't get a deal done with Minnesota, but if he does, Atlanta should be all over him. Yeah, Cousins' season, as you mentioned, cut short because of that Achilles injury he suffered in Week 8. But up to that point, he was having one of his best seasons. Uh, You see these numbers, best numbers since 2016 and 2018 in some cases. Also got Minnesota out of a 1-4 and hole and back to 500 before that injury occurred. As Mike mentions, he will be 36 next season. The Vikings cannot franchise him uh, because of a, of a quirk in his contract. Jeff, do you think that Kirk Cousins' time in Minnesota has come to an end? It feels like that, Dan. Uh, look, I see a market for quarterbacks, and I see a quarterback who has often has a history of playing the market perfectly. Kirk Cousins has done such an exceptional job when he came out of Washington, timing it perfect the way he played that, and now he's doing it again. We've talked about a number of destinations that would make sense because Kirk Cousins is still viewed around the league as a stabilizer. If you don't think that you can get a franchise quarterback who's gonna change you this season, and there's a number of teams out there who've gotta be looking at this, they'll say Kirk Cousins can stabilize what we're trying to do. So I ultimately think he's gonna have the type of market that is lucrative enough to pull him away from Minnesota. So yeah, I do think this is the time when Kirk Cousins goes to another team. Harry, what do you think about Cousins leaving Minnesota? I think Minnesota is the best fit for him. Honestly, when you look at what Kirk Cousins was able to do before he got hurt, you look at their first four losses. They had 10 turnovers. They couldn't even hold on to the football. And I'm not saying Kirk Cousins was the was the, the main corporate in that. It was guys fumbling the football, not being able to hold on to it. And they lost all four of those games. And we're talking about a Minnesota Vikings team that was still fighting for a playoff berth mm-hmm. toward the end of the year. So I think Minnesota is the best fit for him. You have a Justin Jefferson, a Jordan Addison they drafted in the first round. They just paid T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, but, but I like Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Jeff mentioned it, Mike. Uh, Cousins has played the contract game beautifully. He got the fully guaranteed mm-hmm. deal last time. He was a free agent. If you're thinking about signing Kirk Cousins, what do you expect that contract to look like this time around? You know, ironically, average per year, probably in the same range, Roz, somewhere between 35 and $40 million a year. I don't think it's fully guaranteed just because of the age and the injury. And if he could get it, he goes into the Business Hall of Fame. That would be stunning. But, look, it would only take one team. What's interesting to me is 
where does Minnesota draw the line and when do they draw it? Because if he gets the free agency, yeah. if we're running the Vikings, we have to assume he's gone. And to me, next play into Atlanta. So there is a sense of urgency between now and the combine. Whatever they can do, make their best offer, and then they have to be prepared to move forward without him. Harry? Uh, to Mike T's point about mentioning Atlanta, we do also have to understand that Zach Robinson is not an offensive coordinator. He came from the Los Angeles Rams. Kirk Cousins has played in this offense with Kevin O'Connell, who also came from the Los Angeles Rams as well. So he would fit into that offense and understand everything from top to bottom being thrusted into the starting lineup um, if he did end up in Atlanta. So I want to point that out. One thing's for sure, as has become the case uh, very often in recent off-seasons, Kirk Cousins is in a good spot. When we come back on Get Up, what could stop Patrick Mahomes from a three-peat? Clock on the Chiefs' sneaky big decision starts today. And speaking of sneaky big news, could Joe Burrow be overcoming way more than just his season-ending injury when he returns this year? We'll explain to you why the answer may be yes. Come back and watch us. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Jeff Darlington is the most uniquely talented person in the entire world. Who am I to deprive society of this wonderful gift? That's not even safe. I can do it too. Danny, try and spin that. (laughs) Knock it off, Jeff. Sophia Vergara would love that on America's Got Talent. Yes, it is time to spin it forward with Jeff Darlington. Jeff, what can you tell us about? That was fantastic. I, love, I hadn't seen that uh, intro before. It's fun, too. Yeah. What, do you got something? Yeah. All right, what, what do you got yeah, for well, well, um, this is the point of the segment, right? We'll All go, right, uh, fine. I thought the point of the segment to... was to inform the people, but you may be right. What do you got? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, <laughs> of course not. What would you like me to talk about? I would like you to talk about Chris Jones' situation in Kansas City. Oh, great. Let's go back to that topic, because that, that really worked out well Please. for me last time. Chris Jones right now is facing a situation where it's a wonder whether the team 
will tag him or not. Now they have the ability to tag him or they could let him go to free agency. Now he has made clear that he still wants to be in Kansas City and of course the Chiefs still want him. The question of course is can they get to a long-term deal, something they weren't able to do last year. I do think that there is a possibility perhaps that Chris Jones could find out what the market is for him and then ultimately come back to the Chiefs and say, all right, this is what it was, pay me this and I stick around. There's a kumbaya moment in here somewhere. I think we will find it. How long? I don't even want to. Harry, you were trying to do something with a, with a microphone uh, uh, windscreen there, but it didn't seem to work out. For, yeah, that's not quite the same yeah, as well, what Jeff's doing. That's which it, one bro. was the former professional athlete? Which one was the former professional athlete? That's a good question. That is, hey, a, Harry, that is a skill, Jeff. That is a how, skill. How important is Chris Thanks, Jones to the Chiefs' effort to, uh, to win a third straight Super Bowl, something no one's ever done? Guys, I think it's very important. We're talking about a guy in Chris Jones in this defense. Let's just say they face the second, third, fourth, and sixth uh, rank offense this year in the playoffs, right? And this season, those offenses average 28.3 points per game. But during the playoffs, those offenses versus the Kansas City Chiefs only average 15.8 points per game. Chris Jones is a big reason why that actually happened. You talk about his versatility on the defensive line, being able to play a lot of different techniques, freeing up things for other guys on the defensive line as well. George Karloff has really benefited from it. I really appreciate you, Jeff. That is a hell of a skill, my man. But also, you look at Chris Jones in the uh, AFC Championship game versus the Cincinnati Bengals, having two sacks in that game, five QB hits, three tackles for loss. We've seen how dominant he was in the Super Bowl, actually stopping a few touchdowns from happening versus the San Francisco 49ers. So I think he is a big, a major key piece to the Kansas City Chiefs three-peating. Yeah, 100%. And again, when you look at supply and demand, just to uh, add on to what Harry was saying, you could go draft a corner, not ideal, but it's a lot easier than to try to get somebody like Chris Jones. Like, this guy is impossible to find. So again, $32 million to franchise him isn't ideal, but we have to plan accordingly. And I would let Chris Jones' agent know, like, right now, you are not leaving. Let's work our tail off to get a reasonable deal. And if we can't, we're going to franchise you. Darlington thinks uh, they should get a wide receiver instead. So speaking of wide receivers, I don't know if you got want. another book there. Yeah, for the T. Higgins portion. I mean, uh, this of is sort program. of random. I, there I, you go. I, I, I've got a picture of Lewis Riddick behind me. I, uh, I mean, that's kind of weird, right? We just spin <laughs> yeah. uh, who doesn't? Exactly. What's the question? T. Higgins, what do you got? Well, T. Higgins is a situation, obviously, where they want to get a big deal done with Jamar Chase not too far from now. So the question becomes, can they re-sign T. Higgins as well? Franchise tag feels like the likely option. The question, of course, then is, will Higgins play on it? He got injured last year, probably doesn't want to play on a one-year deal and get injured again. So the question there becomes, will he play on it? And if not, do they consider a tag and trade? Harry, what happened? Joe Burrow has always had T. Higgins uh, since he got to Cincinnati. He's always had a bounty of wide receivers. What happens to the Bengals if Higgins is not there next year? Well, if, if T. Higgins isn't there next year, you, you look back at the wide receiver market. I, I, I think a guy in Calvin Ridley who can win one-on-one, who can beat you at short, intermediate, uh, deep levels on the football field, a guy that's a precise route runner, so if you can't sign T. Higgins and you let him walk, then I think you look at a guy like Calvin Ridley. Uh, being able to play with Joe Burrow, I know he would love that as well, too. Higgins, uh, free agent, eligible for free agency. Uh, Jamar Chase, eligible for a contract extension. Tyler Boyd, a free agent. 
What do you make of the wide receiver situation in Cincinnati? Yeah, this is easy for me. You, T. Higgins does not leave. You, you tag him, and eventually you try to get a longer-term deal done. You tell Jamar Chase, we love you. We'll deal with you next year. You bring Joe Burrow back. And again, guys, like from a team-building perspective, when you have T. Higgins, look at that catch and catch radius. And Jamar Chase, it's impossible to have two corners that physically can match up with them. With a healthy Joe Burrow, you're rolling. Really, what they need to do is address upgrading their offensive line and Jonah Williams, but as it relates to T. Higgins, he cannot leave the building. End of story. All right, we got one more. Jeff, you got anything left there you can spin for us while we uh, while we talk yeah, about uh, you I've got, uh, you got yeah. options. I've got this autographed picture of Rex Grossman, uh, greatest college football player of all time. Right. I think uh, he's going back up the Jets next year. It's up to you. Or a pillow. What do you think? Pillow or Rex pillow? Grossman? we got to go Rex Grossman. It's got to be the Rex Grossman picture. What, Rex Grossman? While you do this, tell us about Tua Tungavailoa's contract situation, please. Well, two is an especially interesting one because obviously he's going into this fifth-year option year that the team will have him play under. The question is, will they try to extend him this offseason? To me, it feels like maybe they don't. Maybe they do let him play this out for the sake of both sides. Maybe they can get to the point where they find out exactly what he is. The one thing I'd point out that's working in their favor right now is the relationship between Mike McDaniel and Tua Tungavailoa. This is not a scenario, in my opinion, where Tua goes into this year, performs well, and says, you know, see you later, guys. You didn't sign me last offseason. I think that he could go into this year, prove himself, still get the big deal next year. I don't think that the savings that the Dolphins would get this year would be worth it. I think play out this year and find out what's next. Does, does your finger get tired? I mean, this is we're going on like 10 minutes here in this segment. I, honestly, right? it's a weird thing. It's a very strange gift. I, 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 don't, I, I don't understand it. All right. Well, no one does. The pillow, but it's fascinating, really... and it makes for, for delightful off-season content. Hey, Mike T., if you were the GM of the Dolphins, as you once were, yeah. what would you be doing about Tua Tungavailoa? I think this is a rare situation where both sides may benefit from doing nothing. From Miami's perspective, you get another year to make sure that he can get through 17 games, which, to his credit, he was able to do. From Tua's perspective, if I had to take a BB-plus deal, $35 to $40 million on average per year, I would have bet on myself get through 17 more games, then go to the top of the market, which is $60 million. So this is a rare situation where both sides can look at each other and say, hey, let's come back to this in a year. What do you think, Harry? Should Tua be a top-of-the-market quarterback in terms of what he makes? No. I'm not going to sit up here and say Tua you know, should be a top-five quarterback from a paid standpoint in the National Football League, but he fits what the Miami Dolphins do really, really well. The relationship, like Jeff spoke about, between him and Mike McDaniel, we got to remember, Tua was not in a good place from a mental mental perspective before Mike McDaniel got there, but he was able to instill that confidence in his quarterback, and I'm really impressed. I don't know who has more magic in their finger. Is it Jeff or is it (laughs) E.T.? I got to be honest. My finger is starting to burn. Like, yeah, it's not think. the fatigue that's setting in. It's the friction. It's the friction. Like, I might have lost the top of my index finger. Can it's you do it with the other finger is the finger question. Can that's we please? Yeah. Oh, can I do it? Oh, can I do it? Can I do it? Did I do it? Right. I did it. Did you see that? All right. Hey, oh, uh, I good. meant the other hand, but we'll work on that. Myself. Hey, when we come back on Get Up, is Jerry Jones getting advice from his players now about how to get Dallas over the postseason hump? And if he is, should he listen? But before we get to that, we've got a little sneaky hembo time for Harry Douglas. And the question today, Harry, is who leads the NFL in sacks? 
since Micah Parsons entered the league in 2021. Over the last three seasons, who leads the league in sacks? Harry is going to ponder that, and he's going to answer it when we come back on Get Up. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets but expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back on Get Up, and it is sneaky hembo time. This one's for Harry. Looks like he's been trying to work it out, taking some notes there uh, on uh, during the break. Uh, who is the NFL sack leader over the last three seasons? Most sacks in the league over the last three years, Harry. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy that led the league in sacks in 2021. Also led the league in sacks in 2023. I'm going to go with T.J. Watt. The correct answer is, in fact, T.J. Watt with 47 sacks over the last three seasons. Only one more than Miles Garrett at 46, Nick Bosa 44 and a half, and then Micah Parsons in fourth place on that list at 40 and a half. So Hembo goes down as usual. And to Dallas we go where Micah Parsons, who we just mentioned, has been making the rounds. Won MVP of the Celebrity All-Star Game over the weekend and Caught up with our Stephen A. Smith, uh, and with Stephen A., he discussed his relationship with Cowboys team owner Jerry Jones. Listen to what he had to say. And we just sit and talk from before the game until the whole half about players I want to bring in, players I want to be around, who do I need, who do I want to be with, future of our team. Um, And that's just dope to have that type of feedback with an owner that, you know, loves to hear your ideas and what you think and where the team can be. So, Harry, if you were sitting there with Jerry in his uh, private box watching the Super Bowl and he was asking you for advice on what he should do this offseason, what would you tell him? Stop trying to sell water to a well. Uh, This is the best car salesman that we have in North America right now at the moment in Jerry Jones. Mm -hmm. Listen, Jerry's going to tell us everything that we want to hear. Jerry's going to say and do things to make sure the Cowboys are relevant. But until I actually see it happen, you are not going to trick me and play magician. Jerry Jones, I have to see you go all in, not just with the players that you have 
on your roster that you need to resign, but also going out and getting a running back to make sure you're balanced offensively, making sure you have size at the linebacker position so teams don't take advantage of you. So when I see Jerry Jones actually do those things, I'm going to believe what he's saying. Until then, you can't tell me. I have to see it with my eyes. Jeff, how do you size up this Cowboys offseason? Look, it all it starts and ends with Dak Prescott and the contract that they get done with him because ultimately he's got a cap hit of $60 million this coming season. To put that into context, Patrick Mahomes had the highest cap hit of any quarterback last year at $37 million. They have to extend Dak Prescott. They have no other choice. They are $20 million over the cap right now. Until they do that deal, whether you guys, whether anybody likes it or not, until they do that deal, the Cowboys can really do very little this offseason to improve on what they did in 2023. And you would do that? You would extend him? Absolutely. And I would also extend C.D. Lamb and Micah Parsons. And what you could do is yeah. you could actually spend your way out of their cap situation, which Jeff alluded to, which is give massive signing bonuses to those three players, prorated over five years, lower the cap number this year and next year to keep those three guys together. Then what you could do is consider maybe keeping Tyron Smith and then also address the running back position and go get a leader and a bigger inside linebacker, specifically either Bobby Wagner or Levante David. So this is one of those rare situation, guys, where you could spend yourself out of a cap situation. And to Harry's point, Graz, like it's time for Jerry Jones to put his money where his mouth is. And their big splash, ironically, is to spend money on those three players to give them the opportunity to improve their team. The problem is, and Jeff, you mentioned this, the conundrum with Dak, you can't just press a button and, and do an extension. The last time they tried to extend Dak, it took two right. off seasons, True. right? Like, I mean, what happens if, if they can't get Dak? And what happens if the wide receiver market is such that, you know, it takes a long time to extend C.D. Lamb? Are they just stuck, Jeff? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they are. And that's what's so interesting about this conundrum that they've ultimately put themselves in, is that Dak holds all the leverage when it comes to these negotiations. Worst case scenario, he just goes through the season and takes his money and then hits right. free agency. I, I, I mean, I, I, they have to do this. They don't yeah, really so, have much of a choice. And you, you just got to hope that Dak plays right, ball so with one, one thing I would say, if, that's, if that plays out that way, Jeff, what I would be saying to Dak then is like, hey, Remember this conversation, like, your $60 million is cost prohibitive for us to improve this team. So we can work out a deal that's right. reasonable more quickly, Graz, or just you're the one that's causing us not getting be able to get better. So when we're sitting there 4-11, and 11, you're a meaningful part of that as well. Problem is, uh, Jeff pointed out, he has the leverage. He has the big cap number, and they did put a clause in that contract that prohibits them from using the franchise tag on them at the end of this season. And how about this for an X factor? You don't think the head coach who's in the last year of his deal is going to yeah. be climbing the walls until that deal's right. done? Well, one thing I can assure you is we will continue to discuss the Cowboys as this offseason goes along. In fact, we're going to continue to do it right now. At ESPN Bet, they have the third shortest odds to win the NFC behind only the 49ers and the Lions, which are the two teams that played in the NFC title game. Cowboys have not won the NFC since 1995, uh, but the Lions, of course, have never uh, won the NFC. So that brings me to our next topic, which is who in the NFC is the biggest challenger to the 49ers crown next year? Green Bay Packers. They were on the precipice of getting there this year, and they are so young. Hembo reminded me the other day, all their wide receivers are 26 years old or younger. Jordan Love's still extremely young. It was an incredible job that Matt LaFleur did with this nucleus, and now they have another offseason to get together. 
the, the gap between them and the 49ers was razor thin, and they're young and ascending. Arlington, who do you got as the biggest 49er challenger in their conference? Talk about young and ascending, Mike. The Detroit Lions. I'm with you. The Packers look like they, too, are ascending, and this kind of shows you that uh, we're the direction of the NFC right now. But the Detroit Lions are among them. You got a hembo note? I got a hembo note. I miss these hembo notes not doing get up in the season. Lions started 12 different players in the playoffs that they drafted in the last three years. This is a team that is still on the up and up. They have to have a big offseason. Yes, they've got to retool some different areas. But ultimately, I think that they are absolutely still contenders against the 49ers. Harry, who you got here? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. I'm going to side with Jeff with this one. You also talk about a football team that has a lot of money cap space-wise and can add more guys free agency. And I think if you add a corner like LeJarrius Sneed, because I think that's one of the major needs for this football team, and also add another uh, pass rusher to go with Aiden Hutchinson, we're talking about a a Detroit Lions team that actually pushed the San Francisco 49ers and had them up 24-7 before they got allergic to running the football in the second half and making questionable uh, fourth-down decisions that kind of came back and uh, haunted them. So I'm going to go to Detroit Lions. Lions. All, those are all good picks. I, just, I, I think that the 49ers Ooh. face a challenge next year in their own division. I think the Los Angeles Rams uh, had one of the surprise years uh, of anybody this year, and they were carrying Man. more than $70 million in dead cap money. They are positioned to get even better. They have to play the 49ers twice a year, so they'll be building with an eye toward that. I, I, think, I think the Rams are a sneaky challenger in the NFC next year. I really do. Did Dan Orlovsky ask you this? Either? No, he did not. Orlovsky, I think, is on vacation, and, <laughs> and uh, we, we all know how he feels uh, about the Rams. Uh, let's stay in the NFC, though. I want to do the uh, this year's contender wish list. We look ahead to the offseason, uh, and uh, give me a contender, a contending team and what you wish for them uh, this offseason. So, Jeff, start us off. Who's your NFC contender, and what should they do? I got to say, I love the luxurious Sneed edition, but that is not what I'm going to say. I'm going to say they have to add more pass rushers opposite mm. Hutchinson. They, they've got a situation right now where they had 78 pressures from Hutchinson, including the playoffs. No other Lions player had more than 25. He needs help on the other side. Add edge rushers, and the Lions will be in the Super Bowl in 2024. Lions looking to beef up that defense. Mike T., what do you got on your contender wish list for the Philadelphia Eagles? Draft Chop Robinson, defensive end from Penn State. Hassan Reddick apparently could be traded. Brandon Graham is close to the end. He's a free agent. This guy is tailor-made for their scheme. Great first-step quickness. He's an elite pass rusher right down the road in Happy Valley, and he fills a need for the Eagles. I think this is an ideal fit for them. Great first name, too. Chop. And the, uh, the, the exciting, the idea of Chop rushing the passer. Harry, what do you got for the Packers in the contender wish list? Yeah, I'm going to go add an offensive lineman to, to their young nucleus that they have offensively. They have the skill position players in the game versus the San Francisco 49ers. This is the stat that Himbo gave me. Uh, Jordan Love was pressured 12 times in that ball game alone. So I'm going to go adding some offensive depth to that offensive line. And, you know, I just really love what I've seen from Jordan Love, especially the last 10 games of the year. You talk about a young nucleus, and the best thing that happened to their football team was them actually making the playoff, getting a win, and playing a second game in the divisional round. So they got that experience, and now they understand what it feels like to actually make the playoffs. And moving forward, I think it could pay dividends for this football team. 
Yeah, arrow pointing up for Jordan Love and that very young wide receiver group mm -hmm. uh, around him after all the success they had in his first year as a starter. When we come back on Get Up, Mahomes getting a new star receiver, Josh Allen losing his, a new fit in Pitt. Mike Tannenbaum's got big trades that he thinks have to get made this offseason. We're going to break them all down next on Get Up. We are back on Get Up, and we have a segment called Make Me a Trade, which is different from Trader Mike's because we say it is. Mike, uh, what trade <laughs> would you like to see? To make, make me a trade with uh, with Justin Fields. Yeah, this one's easy. Justin Fields to the Pittsburgh Steelers for a second-round pick. I think this makes Pittsburgh really hard to beat. I think Justin Fields is perfect for Arthur Smith. This obviously means the Bears are taking Caleb Williams. They add more draft capital. They've done a great job with that. This is a win-win for me. Jeff, what do you think Justin Fields does for the Steelers? Yeah, I, I don't know that he gets him to the championship caliber. I'm not saying that he necessarily needs to. If it's the right fit, it is. Justin Fields could make a lot of teams better, in my opinion. And to Mike's point, the Steelers are one of those teams. Could it get done? Sure, especially if, in fact, the Bears commit to picking Caleb Williams, number one. All right, Harry, I know you, you would rather see Justin Fields in Atlanta than Pittsburgh. But if he ended up in Pittsburgh, what would you think of that move? No, I think it's another solid move. Um, I, I just didn't like the quarterback play that I seen from Kenny Pickett last year, not being able to see the entire football field. Uh, I think he really struggled with that. But I think he would be an upgrade, definitely, over what they have on this roster. And we're talking about a team that made the playoffs last year. Contend for a Super Bowl? I, I don't know if I could take it that far, though. And you like the fit, Mike T, because of the connection with uh, Arthur Smith, who just got hired as the OC there in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, and again, like when you look at the skill set of what Justin Fields does well, big, strong guy, great arm, really good outside the pocket. That's exactly what Ryan Tannehill did in Tennessee with Arthur Smith. And to me, the offense would be very similar, and it puts Justin Fields in a great position to be successful. I think he's a material upgrade from a talent standpoint over Kenny Pickett. All right, well, that's one Bears trade. Do you have another one for us? I sure do. While we're at it, they need another big-time wide receiver. So Stephon Diggs, who obviously has been a little bit bump, bumpy in Buffalo, goes from the Buffalo Ooh. Bills to the Chicago Bears. This gives DJ Moore and, and Stephon Diggs like two bookend wide receivers with Caleb Williams. What a dynamic offense the Bears would finally have. What the Bills get is a really good young defensive back. And Tyreek Stevenson had four interceptions as a rookie. When you look at what the Bills need to do, Tredavious White is a great player. He's been hurt. This gives them a really versatile and valuable piece in the back end. Now they have to start over with their weapons, but it just seems like it's been really noisy with Stephon Diggs and Buffalo. So to me, the Bears really help their offense. The Bills get necessary younger and deeper in their secondary. Going with the all-Maryland uh, star wideout core there in Chicago with, uh, with Diggs and DJ Moore. Harry, what do you think of that move? That's a good move for the Chicago Bears. I don't think it's a good move for the Buffalo Bills. You talk about Stephon Diggs in the last four years. 445 receptions, over 5,300 yards and 37 touchdowns. He's still a number one wide receiver, still one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. I just don't think this is a good trade for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, that's the question. And, Jeff, I don't know if you want to lean out your window and ask the guy who's mowing your lawn what they think of, uh, the Bills would do uh, at wide receiver if, uh, if something like this were, were to happen. What do, you, what do you make of this one? Do you like the Chicago end of it, the Buffalo end of it, neither what? 
I think this is one of those guys, I got to like pay him 20 bucks just to stop. I think that's part of the deal here. He knows where I'm at. I, 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 I like the uh, idea of this, but to your point, like what's the incentive for the Bills? They better have an answer behind Stephon Diggs in terms of getting that number one wide receiver. I understand it might be time for Diggs to have a new, new bit of scenery, but uh, it, it's got to come at the right cost and the Bills have to make sure that they get it. Well, that's the thing I was thinking, Jeff. Like, even if Diggs is still on the Bills, they're in the wide receiver market, right? Gabe Davis is a free agent. They really haven't found a running mate for him uh, since. So if they move Diggs, wouldn't they need two? Yeah, we could make that case for sure. Yeah, what do you think? Well, again, I, I just think this may be a little bit of addition by subtraction. Look, I think Stephon Diggs is a great player. It just seems like things have been really noisy there over the last year. It would necessitate Buffalo getting, as you said, at least one. Maybe you resign yeah. Gabe Davis and draft the other. But they, their secondary has also been very leaky, something that's really important to Sean McDermott. And, again, if I'm Caleb Williams, I love this trade. I'm walking in with DJ Moore and Stephon Diggs as my bookend wide receivers. That's a lot of firepower for them. Yeah, it'd be pretty sweet uh, for Chicago for sure. And they're going to need that money uh, to pay the other corner, Jalen Johnson, right? Like he's a free agent as well. So, uh, yeah, Chicago wheeling and dealing. What else you got? One more trade. Yeah, I love this one. Two great young players. Trent McDuffie straight up for J uh, Jalen Waddell. And here's why. If you're Miami, you're probably going to cut Xavier Howard as a cap casualty. So you get Trent McDuffie, who is a great young player. So that's for Miami. Obviously, you still have a great receiver in Tyreek Hill. On the other side of it, for Kansas City, you need a number one receiver. Jeff alluded to it earlier in the show. Jalen Waddle really has a chance to be a number one. And under this scenario, Dan, I'm assuming you're going to franchise Legarius Sneed, and then you have some other younger corners in Jalen Watson and uh, Joshua Williams. So these are great young players traded to fit needs on the other team. Harry Douglas, what do you think of this move? Uh, so let me say this about the Kansas City Chiefs. What they have shown us in the past yeah. is that they aren't going to pay the corners. We're talking about Marcus, Marcus Peters. We're talking about Shavarius Ward. Both of those guys went other places. Now, Chris Jones, I do believe they're going to franchise tag him. When I look at Trent McDuffie, you talk about a guy in his second year that was able to make all pro, can do a lot of different things defensively, can play the safety position, slot position, can blitz, could also play the cornerback position and play outside. I think they believe that they're able to develop their guys. I think they're going to let Legere Sneed walk. And you have two guys in Joshua Williams and also Jalen Watson that are waiting behind to be able to step up and fill that void. Jeff, these are two teams you know particularly well. What do you think of a move like this? I, I think this is a really fun trade on paper. I, you know, I, who knows on the math end of it, contractually, and all those types of things. It is a really cool idea, and conceptually, I think it makes a good point specifically for the Chiefs. They have to decide very soon, and surely Brett Veach will, what they are going to be in 2024. Do they want to be a team that's supported by defense do they and, and let Patrick kind of live on an island and figure it out do they want to be a team that's going to build around him and give him the weapons that they didn't necessarily have midway through this year that to me is the important question that this brings up but I mean on paper yeah I like Jalen Waddle with Mahomes I mean that's going to compensate for a lot of miscues on defense that they would potentially have without McDuffie you know, and when I was in the trade laboratory last night, deep into my thoughts, you know, the other neat thing about this trade is it's really like the second half of the Tyreek Hill trade, which these same two teams made a couple of years ago, which you could argue was also a win. -win. Yeah.
I'll, I, I think right. the win-win for everyone is that now our graphics department is thinking about your trade laboratory, and I think the next time we do a segment like this, it's got a chance to look really, really awesome. Hey, the franchise tag window opened today, and, uh, and we've been talking about it all through the show. We wanted to make some bold predictions with regard to franchise tags and free agents this year. So, Mike T., start us off with a bold prediction. Derrick Henry plays for the Cowboys, and I think Tony Pollard graduates. It didn't work out great. And again, I think he's the ultimate closer. We've talked about Dallas a lot today. They can score points. We know that. But there's a great axiom, Graz, that applies here, which is you pass to score and run to win. And who's going to want to tackle that player in the fourth quarter when your defense is already worn down? So far in his career, the answer has been nobody. Jeff, what's your bold prediction for the franchise tag window? Well, I'll say T. Higgins gets tagged, not very bold, but ultimately gets traded, very bold. And I think the reason here would just be this. If that were to happen, it would be probably because T. Higgins makes very clear that he is not playing on that tag. Now, maybe he does. It's good money. He could do that. But coming off an injury this year probably isn't very thrilled about the idea of putting himself out there on a one-year deal and perhaps potentially getting injured again. There is a market out there for wide receivers. The Bengals could score some serious collateral and then get the Jamar Chase deal done as well. Harry, what's your bold prediction? My bold prediction that the Indianapolis Colts, they're going to let Michael Pittman Jr. walk and sign Mike Evans. You're talking about a guy that's been one of the most consistent across the board in the history of the National Football League, eclipsing 1,000 yards in all 10 years being a wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also, when you look at Mike Evans, three of the last four years, three of those years, he had 13 touchdowns or more. You talk about a guy that has a catch radius, will be another dynamic, a veteran, Super Bowl winning wide receiver that he can add some veteran leadership to that team as well. Anthony Richardson will be coming back off an injury. And now you have a guy that you can really get the football to in those regards. Yeah, Mike Evans and Mike, Michael Pittman, just two parts of a, a fascinating offseason at the wide receiver position that, of course, we will continue to track as it rolls along. We've got a little more to do here, but when we are done, at the top of the hour, first take will come on. How can the Cowboys fix their culture issues? Will the NBA have an identity crisis post-LeBron? we got Molly, Stephen A., J.J. Redick, and Shannon Sharp at the top of the hour. Thursday night is ESPN Hockey Night. NHL points leader Nikita Kucherov and the Lightning post Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals at 7 Eastern. Then on ESPN Plus, the Predators square off against the Kings. That one is at 10.30 Eastern. Before we go today, we wanted to ask the audience who did it better, Jeff Darlington or Roberto the Magnificent, who performed at Texas uh, Basketball Halftime? There's no question. Is it unanimous? Everybody no, agrees. It's a reasonable Roberto? question. I think it's a reasonable oh, question. Man, I'm 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 going I'm going with Jeff Darlington. I'm loyal to our guy Jeff. I'm going with you, boss. I like to know, Jeff. Can you do that on a unicycle and combine that's, it? That's what I was going to say. We don't know for a fact that Jeff is not currently on a unicycle. He could. <laughs> you don't even know. I, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. What if yeah. I was on a unicycle right exactly. now? Yeah. Who knows if I'm even wearing pants? <laughs> who knows? That's a, that's a good question. We know who does know is the guy that's doing your landscaping today. Hey, we had a good we had a good time here uh, on Get Up. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. First take is next. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.